starting our story back up on Thursday morning, about day three of a sports business classroom, Eric Pinkus came to me at the start of the day and to show me his new socks. I was really cool. Obviously, he was very happy to show me. I'd given them to him the day before, if you guys remember from, from our last episode. But he came to me right away to show me the socks, and he was very happy about it. I had shown his wife, had posted pictures on social media. Uh, so it was great, right, seeing him. Right, The first thing he thought of when the day started was, let me go tell John that when I woke up this morning, I looked at my sock drawer, didn't have socks. Wait, I do. Opened up his bag and took out the Gen Z hoop socks. So awesome for shout out to Eric Pinkus for really taking a liking uh, to what I'm doing. And then right, we started off with Jobs 301, transitioning careers in the AM. So I actually had to miss that because I got COVID tested. During that time, right, we had to get COVID. We, had to get, we all had to get a mandatory COVID test per the NBA. Um, I actually saw the Raptors warming up while that was happening and they were all walking by. So that was pretty cool seeing that take place. But right, missing that part of Jobs 301, we still went straight into, or once I got back, uh, to Operations 301, the trade market with Brian Paga. Um, I actually ended up missing that as well. This is going to be a recurring theme as we get on into Summer League, how I start missing these classes because of all this other stuff happening. But actually, Bo Estes had sent us all a text in the media group chat saying, hey, who wants to go to an ESPN production meeting? I, I jumped at a chance to do that. So, you know, we headed over there, just, you know, through some elevators down to the basement, make a left, make a right. We ended up at this ESPN production meeting. Uh, we saw some really incredible people. Uh, Sam Mitchell was there. He was one of the coach of the year back in the, the mid-2000s, what he did with the Chris Bosh Raptors. Obviously, such a funny guy. He was just making everyone crack up. I didn't know who he was at the time. I, I heard of him before. I actually reached out to him about coming on the show before, and we had, we had we might hopefully can set that up soon. But I didn't know it was him. I didn't know it was Sam Mitchell sitting there. So he was making all these jokes. He was making everyone laugh. I'm like, who is this guy? This guy's awesome. I ended up being Sam Mitchell. Uh, so that was really cool. But just being in the background and seeing how these these broadcasts take shape, right? Seeing all these people in their craft. We're talking about how they're going to devy up responsibilities, how they're going to split up, how they're going to make sure to tell the story of Summer League in the best way possible. And they were talking about the storylines and they had these, these nice sheets printed out. Um, and they really kept us as students involved in the process and asked us questions and you know, obviously allowed us to ask questions as to what, you know, how we thought we could learn from the experience. So that was great. Then, right, we the, the session we missed of Media and Broadcasting 301, getting your media business started, was with Nikai Duncan and Alex Kennedy. Funny enough, obviously, getting your media business started is, is exactly up my alley and what I would have wanted to learn about. Uh, but definitely okay that we came a little bit late because I actually was able to give Nikaias uh, his socks, which he was very, very happy about. Nikaias was really cool. Now, Alex Kennedy did not have his socks in time yet. I ended up sending him an email afterwards saying, hey, I'll get, I'll ship these to you. Uh, so he was really, he was cool about it. They, they actually started fighting a little bit about it live there once I gave Nikaias socks. Alex was like, where are my socks? And then Nikaias's uh, significant other was there and she was really thrilled about it. So she took pictures and called him famous and, and he it was really just a good time overall. So Nikaias was, was really cool about that. But definitely wish I could have heard their whole talk because I definitely, you know, that's definitely very applicable to what I'm doing. But obviously we had a great experience overall just going to the ESPN production meeting instead. But great stuff there. And then going right into uh, CBA 201, the salary cap through the eyes of teams. Now, if you recall, uh, CBA 101, which we did yesterday, was with the CBA through the eyes of players. So we're looking at how the collective bargaining agreement impacts players. Now we're looking at how it impacts teams teams and execs and all that sort of thing. So those are the two sides of the collective bargaining agreement and obviously the two sides that are agreeing on it. So we went through that. I Right after CBA 201 was done, I shot upstairs for Washington versus Brooklyn at two o'clock. I did. I got to see Tony DeLeo in the hallway, which was really cool. So Tony DeLeo is the director of college player personnel for the Wizards. Obviously the Wizards are an organization I'm very fond of being how good they've been to the show, but he used to be the GM of the 76ers uh, back before the Sam Hinkie era. He was the head coach for the Sixers for a while. So he's done a lot of cool things. His son was there too. I, got, I met his son, uh, but it was just awesome seeing him and kind of, you know, reconnecting with someone that I'd spoken to a few months prior about coming on the show and obviously now we'll hopefully get that set up soon as well that's another right recurring theme is that I'm meeting all these people that maybe we won't spoke to once now we're reconnecting and we can get on the on the on the right track of scheduling the show so that was huge seeing Tony DeLeo but obviously this was only a quick run up run down because Neil O'Shea was the next guest speaker now for those of you that may know uh, Neil O'Shea is a graduate of Xavier High School 
Nemo Shea is a graduate of Xavier High School, the class of 1983. Um, someone that I've always looked up to as obviously being in a position that I want to be in one day um, as the general manager of an NBA team. But he was just so inspirational. I, the one thing I noticed about him, not so much just what he was saying, as, 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 as great as it was that he was talking about coding and how you know you, you really need those hard skills to make the league and how everyone has these skills, right? Everyone has these skills, so how are you going to separate yourself? And that was maybe the main focus of his talk. But what even struck out to me more than that was just his, the way he controlled the room. He really had such a gift for or just such a composure that really resonated with everyone and obviously I listened to every word because of of, of, of how I respected him and, and looked up to him going into this and how he was one of the main reasons I signed up for SBC but just obviously I think I think everyone was just hanging on every word because of the control he had and the first thing he asked us all was everyone you know, stand up if you manage your he was really just narrowing it down to who's really serious about this I, I ended up standing up the whole time thankfully and, and, and realized that there's still a lot of more work to be done but just you know the way he did that it was so control it was so commanding of the room um, really got everyone's attention. Obviously, he 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 didn't need to get mine. He already had it. Uh, but it was really cool seeing just the difference, right? It isn't just what you know. It's 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 how you portray what you know. And he portrayed it masterfully. I mean, it really made us all respect that. So Neil gave a great. He he it wasn't even present. Neil gave a great talk uh, along with obviously Larry Coon, who was in, who was quote unquote interviewing him, but not really because. Obviously, a guy like Neil Shea doesn't need to get interviewed. He can just kind of go on. Uh, so he just kind of went on, on on all these topics of, of how to get into the industry. I asked a question about, because he had mentioned right, his start, about how he was a trainer and how that's maybe, you know, player development was how he got into it. And then all of a sudden, you know, he got some players to get to the league. And long story short, that's what ended up getting him his role with the Clippers and then, uh, and then the, the Blazers as their GM and how he moved up and up and up. Obviously, a, a very unusual path, with, with, with which obviously many many of these of these roles are filled with these unusual paths. But he told us the story, and my first thought was, okay, well, he started off his talk telling us about his hard skills and how you know important these hard skills are to make in the league. But then he just finished telling us how he didn't have those hard, he didn't have the coding background, he didn't have those when he got into the league. He got into the league because of he he proved his work ethic through training players. So I, my my question to him was how he would give advice to someone like himself to, to make it when you don't have those hard skills. And his advice was that he would never tell anyone to do what he did, which is obviously pretty funny, but just saying how, how he was very fortunate to position himself the way he, he did through, you know, through the, obviously the career path that he took. Through the career path that he took, he was very fortunate, obviously, uh, to get to where he was. But obviously, he, he knew that, that that maybe his exact path couldn't replicate it. So that's why he wasn't telling us his story so he can replicate his story. He was telling us his story or, or, or how he did it or also what how he, he sees other people doing it, like obviously the people that he's hiring, because he, he like that that's how we're going to do it, right? Is it, picking up a little thing from everywhere and, okay, how can I relate this to my life and, and, and my career and what I'm doing now? So that's obviously what I took from that. Uh, so his his his... So hearing from him was great, but then my, my next priority, right, the moment I asked my question was, how am I getting this man his socks? Right, I got in him his socks, and how I had the socks in hand, how do I deliver these socks to Neil Shea? So when the presentation ended, he was in a rush to get out to sign a player to a new contract. So he was really, Larry Kuhn was, had him hand in hand, and they were heading for the exits. And everyone was trying to ask him a quick question. People were asking him, like, actual, like, you know, questions of, you know, that they could have asked him a little bit earlier when he was speaking. Obviously, I didn't want, I wanted to introduce myself. I wanted to get, I wanted to, I wanted to tell him I was from Xavier High School, which obviously I didn't want to mention. Um, when I asked my question, but I wanted to tell him I was from Xavier, give him the socks, and you know, just just make sure that that happened. I was a little scared. Shout out to Nima Zavazada. Shout out to Nima Zavazada for helping me out with this because he was like, "Dude, you have the socks." He's like, "Go up to him right now. Go up to him." And I'm like, "Dude, I can't do it. I'm so you know, like, he's he's about to leave. Like he's busy." Nima said, 
Give him the socks. Give him the socks. Those are Nima's exact words. So I gave him the socks. So I ran up to him. I said, I said, Mr. O'Shea, I, I'm from Xavier High School. I coach for Xavier High School. I have these for you. And he said, you go to Xavier? And his face lit up. I was so excited to see how excited he was that I was from Xavier and that obviously I was there and I had, had, had a gift for him and that my, I put all this effort in to, to this interaction. Uh, so that was just really fun, seeing his face light up. And, and obviously, hopefully, we can keep that connection going. And maybe he'll be a guest on the show soon. Who knows? But thank you, Neil, for, for, making me, for, for really making my summer league memorable by... By making me realize that you know what some of those cold some of those cold networking things giving someone a cold, cold sock outreach it works out sometimes and it really isn't a reason to be afraid. Uh, so after that, after seeing Neil O'Shea, which was awesome, I went upstairs to watch, to catch some games and I saw David Fredman from episode eighty three uh, scouting some games. I saw him at the at the scouting booth table and I went up to him and I I just recognized him by face. I didn't see his name tag and I said, David, is that you? He looked at me and he said, "Oh my God, John!" He's like, well, "You know, how, how, how are you here?" I, I asked him the same thing. How are you here? Like, what are you doing? I had no idea you were going to be here. I'm thinking that obviously with his role, that you know, he wouldn't really be coming to summer league. And obviously, and unfortunately, he told me the reality of the business that he's no longer with the Utah Jazz, which is very unfortunate because he's been with the Jazz for 49 years leading up to this point. He's been with them right since the 70s, almost with, with the, almost the the Carl Malone, John Stockton era, going through right the, obviously the present day, but even before that, right the relocation and. Uh, and Gen Z, he was one of the, my, my, my favorite episodes because he had just had so much. Our episode, if we wanted it to be, could have been five hours long. He had so much to talk about. He had so much history with the Jazz to talk about. So it's unfortunate to see someone with that track record right be at Summer League looking for a job as opposed to right enjoying right, Summer League for what it is. Obviously, that, that's, that's the brutal reality of the, of the business that we're in. Uh, so it was unfortunate seeing that, but obviously great seeing David because he's someone I never thought I'd see. He's so he's so much older and, and, and in such a position where I always thought he was more behind the scenes. But seeing him there was cool. Hopefully things work out for him soon and he's back on a team. But we'll see how things play out there. Then after seeing David, I had to head over to my Houston versus Toronto game at 5 where we were doing the pregame and also Phoenix versus Denver game at 7. So we had our hands full with our game assignments for sports business classroom. During one of the pregames, Sean Bellby peeked his head into our Phoenix versus Denver pregame and it was really fun and, and giving a little shout out to Gen Z Hoops. He gave a little a quick shout out Gen Z Hoops as he walked by. Didn't make it into the final recording, obviously, because our microphones are super sensitive to, to what's right directly around it. But just really cool, right, seeing him support the show and, and seeing him right, take notice of what I was doing on the concourse. Um, so after the play play was over, I, f I found him. We caught up a little for a little bit. Um, so that was fun because I never really met Sean in person. So it was great seeing him there and talking about what he was doing. Obviously, he just finished He just finished winning a million dollars. He split up, but um, he finished winning a million dollars with the uh, TBT in the basketball tournament with the Bayheim's Army. So it was awesome seeing him there and getting to talk about, obviously, what he's been doing obviously a lot of tr really cool training stuff with Drew Hanlon. Sean's Sean's killing it, so it was great talking and talk to him uh, before he had to move on to whoever he was meeting up with next. Obviously, same here. Uh, that's the nature of summer league. But then while heading to our play, right after the pre after the pregame, I had to go to a play by play. I saw the whole Wizard staff, Brett Greenberg, all these other Wizard staff members outside of Section 103, where, where, which was really Section 103 was like everyone was there. Section 103, 104. That's where. SBC was where all the execs were. That's where we did our play-by-play. -play. That's where so much happened. And I, I don't want to bother Brett because we'll, we'll he, he, I ended up meeting him later on, but he obviously was talking to so many people. But I, when I walked down the the, the stairs to get to the play-by-play, -play, I noticed Amber Nichols was by, was by herself just hanging out. So I'd never spoken to Amber before, but she obviously is a legend at SBC. She's very close with Nick Lages. I knew that. So I really just went up to introduce myself and told her about how I'd heard such great, great things about her from SBC and how Nick said such great things about her. And he's you know obviously one of my best guests on the show. Nick, Nick, Nick's obviously the man. So I told her all about that. And she was so nice. She was so nice and all that. And it was great, obviously, getting to meet to meet Amber. Maybe she'll be on the show soon, too. Who knows? It, with obviously a recurring theme where I'm meeting up with these people and, and trying to figure out what the show will look like with them. Because obviously, someone like Amber, right? She's she's at such a young age. She's an NBA G League GM already. And she really worked. She did it from ticket sales. She really grinded her way up the ranks. So Amber's awesome. I saw her a bunch of other times, obviously. The Wizards, I, I noticed, their staff always stuck together. Whether I saw them in the, in the concourse huddled up 
or they were all talking or they were all walking somewhere this in, uh, together. Like it was like, towards the end of the last day I was there, I saw Tommy, Brett, everybody in one spot in the Cox Pavilion watching the game. So the Wizards definitely look like they have a family-oriented front office, which I think is great. I'm in seeing that with them. Uh, so that's awesome. And hopefully, right, like that's 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 something I'd, I'd, that's an organization, right? Seeing how how tight they are, I definitely want to be a part of someday an organization like that. So it was great seeing Amber there. Then right, I was sure, right after Amber left, it was kind of like it's 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 crazy. So almost like a revolving door. It's funny, right? How that stuff happens at summer league. Ernest Scott from episode 19 walks down the stairs as I'm waiting to do my play-by-play. -play. Um, he didn't recognize me at first until I told him I was John Harder Phillips from Gen Zoops, and then he and then he lost his mind. He was freaking out. But Ernest is a, I, I recognize him right away because I saw obviously the, the, the Lakers polo I saw the name tag but obviously he's he's huge he's six seven and I played professionally for a long time so he comes down I recognize him right away he starts losing his mind like oh my god I see you, you're killing it like you know obviously he came out more than a year ago but in that time right we've we've recorded 250 60 episodes since then so he's been taking notice on Instagram and seeing what I've been posting so seeing him right one of the guys that you know first believed in me when the show first started was really cool but then actually funny enough I went and re-looked at our episode and I noticed and I didn't realize it at the time his back background he used a virtual background for interview was the venetian hotel and it's so funny because i never knew what that was before going to vegas and then when i looked at our interview right afterwards when i saw him i, I checked it out i'm like wait a minute that's the Venetian. I always thought it was some weird fountain behind him, uh, but it was the Venetian. So Ernest definitely has a, a strong affinity for Summer League, but having that as his as his Zoom background. I wonder if it's still his background now. Who knows? Uh, maybe we'll, right, hopefully we'll get to talk to him again soon, whether it's through Zoom or in person. Ernest was a cool guy. And it was great, right, connecting with people that believed in the show from the start. So shout out to Ernest for, for being that guy. Wrapping things up with Friday, that's where we did all our deep dives. And I had the pleasure of meeting Dave Severance from episode 137 in the, in the morning with his scouting. I didn't get to watch his deep dive because I was a media and broadcasting major, not a scouting major. But also, Awesome scene, Dave. He's a great guy. He obviously, what I heard, found out afterwards was he starts off his presentation with a slide of all his contact information. Basically everything but his home address. Maybe his home address was even on there. His social, I don't know, but he's just that open of a guy where he just really wants to connect with people. He's open to sharing. And that's why he came, right, he came on the show. It was so nice. And uh, right, not, maybe not being the biggest on, on, on Instagram or anything like that. He's huge on Twitter with his hoop of the day. But he's right one of those guys that is always willing to help. So shout out to Dave Severance for, for being that. Um, he loved the suck. I gave him to him in the morning. I'm like, hey, sorry I can't see, listen to your talk because I didn't sign up for it. Here is your here are your socks. I really hope you enjoy them. So he was really cool about that. I actually ended up going to uh, the medium broadcasting deep dive with Kate Heindel. Um, she's from the Raptors, interviewed a million, uh, she's interviewed so many different players for the Raptors and beyond. She, her whole talk was about um, how to interview players and, and, right, and, and right, the science that goes behind right, setting them up and and it, right, especially in person, like how, how that maybe changed for her during COVID, but in person, how she would go about building those relationships genuinely as the years went on. Because she's obviously built the Raptors for forever, but obviously you need to build that rapport with a Kyle Lowry, with a DeMar DeRozan. Um, you know, you have to build that relationship with them. So she went on to talk about that. Uh, but my absolute highlight of, of, of SBC was Simon Sharon Gordon, the GOAT. <laughs> if, 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 Simon, if Simon, you're like, listening to this, you are the man. You've made SBC so much more fun for me. But Simon was just such a pleasure. Like The first few days, he was awesome. He was just such a, right, obviously being the youngest instructor such a bright light in the whole SBC community and just such a guiding such a guiding force uh, through throughout the whole thing but this last day was so impactful and we'll talk about it. he's going to be such a huge part of this episode because his 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 part of the deep dive was about Twitter he Simon is the 34 million follower man actually let's check NBA Twitter let's see how many followers he has now maybe probably get went up a little bit the 34.4 million follower man that's who Simon Sharon Gordon is he runs the biggest basketball Twitter account on planet earth with at NBA on Twitter at NBA that's that, that that's the Twitter account that he runs what a guy um, but Simon gave us a whole breakdown of how he does his job right which is all his job is really cool um, very stressful because you, know, you can't make a mistake 
and it, you're the you're the worldwide authority for basketball. Um, so there's a lot of responsibility, but it's really cool um, what he does. So he went through how he tweets, you know, how he makes his copy, where he gets his media from, like how with how the team works. So cool. Really opened my mind to social media and the science that goes behind it. Obviously, right, you hear about it all the time, but with, that's with all you hear about it mostly from smaller accounts with where it's you know like for example, I know how to do social for Gen Z hoops. There's a big difference between Gen Z hoops and the NBA and what Simon has to do. So hearing him, it, it really showed me that to wow, that's what social media looks like in this day and age. And this, these are jobs that didn't, didn't exist five years ago. When Simon was going through college, there was no social media ma a major. There was no, there, no one was talking about social media. Uh, but now it's his, it's his job for, for the next few years, maybe, maybe the rest of his life, but that's what he'll be doing. So really cool seeing Simon talk about that um, and describing what he does. But, but Friday was a big day. Friday was just such a huge day. And we'll talk more about Simon later. He was very in, uh, influential at night, at, at, on Friday night. But we also got to meet Tommy Shepard from episode 27 that morning. But we also got to meet Tommy Shepard from episode 27 later that afternoon. And that was obviously one I was not going to miss. I, I made sure to ask everyone what time, you know, I know this is a secret, but I need to know because I'm going to be running around summer league trying to meet guests. What time is Tommy going to be here? I need to be here for that. Uh, they told me what time Tommy was going to be there. I was, I was all ready to go. And Tommy came, he spoke to, he was interviewed by Larry Kuhn, um, was super nice. Tommy was very different from Neil O'Shea. Um, both guys I look up to tremendously, but just very different styles as how they, as how they speak. Tommy was very soft spoken. Really, was just a normal guy. That's what if he didn't con he didn't control the room like Neil O'Shea because he didn't well, he didn't really have to though. Neil O'Shea was very very really really just made you listen hang on every word because right he just had this kind of like this aura coming out of him. Tommy was just like your uncle. That's what he kind of felt like. He felt like he was just talking to you. It was so calm. It felt like right you were just having like a fireside chat right with Tommy Shepard. It was really cool seeing that parallel. But Tommy was awesome. Gave some really great advice and and spoke a lot. He was really more of just answering questions people had questions about the wizards and and all that stuff and and and, and, and like the business of it and all uh, my main question for him which i had prepared he was one of the ones i, I really wanted made sure i thought about this question long and hard was the wizards and, and their analytics obviously the wizards have guys people like brett greenberg they have dean oliver they have they had just hired Katherine Evans, who was a huge staple in the analytics community. The Wizards have right, taken a real precedence on hiring analytical, analytically minded people. Uh, so that's what I asked him about. But obviously, I, 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 I prefaced my question by saying, uh, thank you, Tommy. So this was almost verbatim. I really practiced this in my head the entire time he was speaking. But he started answering questions. I was the first person, thankfully. Uh, shout out to Adam Doe for giving me the microphone right away. Um, but I said, Tommy, first off, thank you so much for coming to speak with us today. But even more so, thank you for giving a young, aspiring podcaster a chance about a year ago. Uh, would start helping him start his show and, and being episode 27 that, that's now turned into um, 270 episodes thank you for, for giving him a chance and before I even finished saying that he butted in with that was you I can't tell what the man he was he, he was really having a, right? it was it was it's so fun seeing this happen I mean I you can't I have my mask on but I'm obviously blushing right it's super hard thinking that this NBA general manager is remembering me a year later the fact that he came on my podcast and kind of started this whole trajectory off for me but then I asked my question I, I actually fumbled the question a lot because I was so, once he called on me, once, once he recognized me, I was just so flabbergasted by that. I was so uh, taken aback that I almost forgot my question that I'd been rehearsing for so long. I, I did everything but have it written out in front of me. So I'm sitting there fumbling names, mixing, but but he obviously, he, he put it together. He answered my question beautifully. I haven't gotten at a loss for words like that in a long time, but he, but just by recognizing me and, and by saying such nice words um, as I'm trying to ask my question, it really took me by surprise. Um, so Tommy's the man, but right, we asked my question. He went through everyone else and then everyone at SBC gets one-on-one -on -one time with the speakers. That's like one of the, the things with SBC is that they, they, they pair you up with a guest speaker. I was supposed to have Malik Rose. Unfortunately, he couldn't make it to Summer League. So we didn't, I didn't get to speak with him. Instead, they gave us a, a group session with Tommy Shepard. 
So we all said, so me and the other, the other students and I that didn't get a chance to meet with Malik Rose, met with Tommy afterwards. And I, you know, further, I, my main question to him, I, other than, you know, all the stuff about his, his ways, you know, what he does in the smaller group at the end was, why'd you come on my, was in, in, was in all honesty, was in all honesty, why'd you come on my show? Like what, are you, you reached this point where you're so busy. What is it that makes you, everyone talks about you at Summer League as to how, as to how, how down to earth you are, as to how helpful you are, how much you give back. Like not every GM's like that. What makes you so empathetic in giving back? And that's, he, he said, and then I nailed it on the head that it's empathy. It's, it's, it's knowing what it takes to get to where he is. It's knowing how, you know, like the, the, the role he has and, and how he can maybe help other people. It's almost sort of responsibility knowing that he's right, attained this role and this is how he can help the next generation. Obviously, right, Gen Z, he, he loved the, the new rebranding to Gen Z. He, he obviously came on when it was Big Fellas Basketball. He loved the Gen Z rebranding. But then we kind of went into, he went, he, he loved the rebranding of to Gen Z from because he came on when it was Big Fellas Basketball. He loved that, which is really cool. But he was talking about, right, a lot of times people were saying that you, you have a job I want, right? Like you, you, you sit in one of 30 seats. Like, I, I want to be an NBA GM. And his response to that every time is do it. Okay, great. Like, like if that's your, chase that dream. It's obviously, it's very difficult. Obviously, it takes a lot of right place, right time, but go do it. That's his mindset. Um, he, 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 he doesn't look at people as like, you know, he looks at everyone as, right? Like you can do it too. If you, if you believe you're trying it, you can, you can get to where I am too. Uh, so Tommy's just a great guy. And that obviously at the end when everyone left, all the other three guys left. It was just me. I gave him the socks. We took a picture together. It's right up there on my Instagram. Uh, that picture is uh, will live in infamy uh, for the rest of my life. That was a great one. So shout out to Tommy for being an awesome guy. Tommy was just really cool. And, and obviously being so, so nice and giving up his time. And obviously with the show, with meeting him at Summer League, Tommy's the man. Uh, for no, no doubt about that in my mind. So then from that, from meeting Tommy, I went up to go watch Knicks versus Detroit with Kelsley. Kelsley Wilkinson was was really one of my better, outside of Nima, who I knew going in, uh, Kelsley was one of the best friends I made there. Really cool dude and obviously super energetic and great on the mic. Kelsley, his, I think I mentioned this earlier, his iconic catchphrase, nothing but oxygen. There's just something, whenever I see an air ball, I'll be thinking about that. So Kelsey kind of made that famous. So Kelsey kind of made that famous. But right, watching that game with him, he kind of sweet talked the security guard into letting us sit um, in the VIP section because he just started talking to her. She was a much older woman. He was talking to her about her day and how things are going instead of being rude with her like other people were when they weren't entry down to the VIP. And he's like, can we sit right here? She's like, of course. And we just kind of sat there watching Knicks versus Detroit. That was a fun one. So I told Kelsley about how we had to go see the Kings play because obviously Alex said the Tukumbo would be playing and how Giannis had come to his last few games. He'll be at this one. How James Pristoris had told me, you know, don't miss this game. Giannis will be there. So we really wanted to make that happen. So I told Kelsley about this. He was all in. So we left the uh, Knicks game a little early, went over the, to the Kings game and Giannis was nowhere to be found at the start of the game, which is very strange. I was looking at Kelsey like, he's supposed to be here. I don't know where he is. So we ended up leaving. As we're in the hallway, we look up at one of the monitors and we see ESPN. They're showing, they're zooming in Giannis' face courtside. He came a little bit late. Giannis is over there sitting courtside, obviously came a little bit late. We run back, or I run back because Kelsey was already talking to some people. So I run back to the arena. They wouldn't let me in through the side that Giannis was on. They kind of shut that off once he got there. So couldn't really do that. So I had to wait until halftime. So once halftime came and they opened it up for everyone to leave, I walk in. And this is kind of the start of the third quarter. Giannis is sitting there on the side, on the bottom of the bleachers with and he's in the middle of Gosta on the right side closer to the exit where I'm walking in from and Thanasi on the edge right right there where the where the aisle starts and obviously I wasn't going to go up to Giannis I knew I know better than that so I go up to Thanasi who had paid for half our tickets to game seven of the Nets versus Bucks game seven in Brooklyn Thanasi paid for half our tickets to get more Greek people in the stands we were right behind the basket with our Greek flags it was a really fun time but Thanasi I, I go up to him and I tell him in Greek Thanasi si kharitire po to super league to Dimitri Pristouris if kharisto para poli yata yata if kharisto 
πάρα πολύ και συγχαρητήρια. So basically saying thank you so much for the ta- for, thank you so much for putting it all together for us to go to Game 7 on, on behalf of Super League and James Pistorius. Congratulations on the championship. Kind of all those things put together. Um, and they just start staring at me. So then I had my, on my phone a, a picture of me and Giannis back in 2015 when I went to his camp. We're both making the same pose with the basketball. And I showed them the picture and I, I said, remember that? Like, you guys remember this? And they just keep on staring at me. So I took the L, swallowed some sadness, walked up the bleachers and called it a day with them. Uh, but it was obviously fun. I, I, I tried. I tried to get their attention. They, I, I had their attention, but they, I guess they were in the mode where, okay, people come up to us. Let's not talk to anybody. Let's just watch our brother play. I didn't mean to bother them. But really, obviously, of course, wish I could have, we could have spoken a little bit more, but definitely would have opened up the floodgates to every other fan there. Uh, but I tried. So it didn't work out for me. But we definitely made our best effort to make that happen. So then when, it's funny, when I ran up the top of the bleachers, it was kind of more to just like, you know, abort mission. Like, like let's, like, let's get, like, let me just hide and then wait five minutes and then get out of here. So I get to the top of the bleachers and, all, and right next to me, in the, in the rows next to me, I didn't even notice him, uh, was Reiner with mental performance coach Scott Sabor. And I you know, didn't even see Reiner, I just run up there. And Reiner calls over John. And I call over, I tell him the story, they're laughing hysterically as to how I just got completely destroyed by the Dragomo brothers. Um, I obviously met Scott, he'll be coming on the show soon too, got his phone number, so that was really cool. And obviously, you know, swallowed some sadness, walked down the, walked down the, walked down the bleachers and walked out the door, didn't see, you know, didn't go back there again. Maybe we'll see Yanni sometime soon at a Super League event, but right, right there, didn't, didn't really go my way. But right, soon after we started our game break, our, our uh, soon after we started our game assignments, and um, for us, uh, right, it being a deep dive day, um, uh, the whole media and broadcasting crew, instead of doing our, our post-game and pre-games like we had done all, all, all year long, like we had done all summer league long, we instead had to live tweet the Lakers versus Clippers game. Now, I've been given the role, some of the people had the role of like, you know, obviously making the physical posts or, or being on the ground and taking pictures. I had the role of like, maybe of more so getting, in, you know, of, uh, of quoting every tweet or, 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 or embedding all these tweets with things that other accounts are posting. Now, at first, I, I kind of wanted to do something more hands-on, uh, but it ended up working out because I got to talk to Simon so much because I went and sat with Simon in 103. My, my role was to pull all these highlights. So let's say Mac McClung from the Lakers gets a dunk. Let's pull that from the Lakers feed and put that on our feed because we're a, a, a third-party brand. We're, like a, we're, we're serving as a sort of bleacher report in the situation or a third-party brand. So I wanted to do that. What, what I didn't notice was it's super, right in the East Coast, it's 10 o'clock at night. Not many people watching this game. They weren't posting many highlights and ESPN didn't show anything. The NBA wasn't posting anything about this game. Really, it was, it was radio silence from NBA Twitter. So... I'm sitting there right not really having much to do, but I'm with Simon. So we start talking and he's telling me everything, right? All the, the even we're talking about the, the, the deeper, deeper than the deep dive. It was, it was insane hearing about his job and, and what goes into it and, and how, right, how he recovers from mistakes and what happens and, and what, what's, what, he, what Simon didn't know. And I told him then was that I had been to the NBA league office before in Secaucus when I interviewed um, for a production training uh, job that I ended up not being old enough for. Uh, we found out uh, during the interview that I was still, I still had a year of school left. They assumed I was a senior with my work experience, but I was a junior at the time. They had to move it up until summer 2022 when I can apply for it again. Pretty funny. So I'm excited for that opportunity um, when the summer comes around. Uh, but it's funny, right, that being the case where uh, I had to make that uh, just So I told Simon the story of who I interviewed with and he knew everyone I interviewed with and he knew, about, you know, obviously when I went there and visited and saw the replay center, he obviously, we were talking about all that. Then we got into my, right, my next steps and I told him about how Madison Square Garden, how I had received an offer for them to be a student associate. I had, to, uh, today was Friday, I had until Tuesday to accept and I wasn't sure because I wanted to ride somewhere they got and maybe, you know, I'll talk to someone here and if something happens. And he looked at me and he said, John, it's Madison Square Garden. He's like, it's the Knicks, it's right in your backyard. He's like, it works so beautifully with what you're doing at Xavier and what you're doing at 
at Baruch, with, with your school. He's like, you have to do it. It's a must. He's like, you need, he pointed at the logo and said, you need that on your resume. So I was still a little unsure, but Simon convinced me. He actually pressed the button. I have a video of, of Simon pressing the button to accept me, to, for, for me, of Simon pressing the button for me to accept my offer to, uh, from, to Madison Square Garden. So thank you, Simon, for, for taking the steps I was too afraid to take, pressing the button for me. That meant so much to me. It really changed everything for me. When Simon pressed that button, it was, it was kind of game over. I, I accepted my thing with MSG. He would he kind of cemented himself as a mentor in my life. I took a picture with him and I gave him the socks. I gave him the socks before he pressed the button, but I, I gave him the socks. We took a picture with the socks. Simon's the man. We've been texting since then. He'll be coming on the show very, very soon. We'll be meeting up in the city. He's obviously a New York guy too, working out of your office. Um, the cool thing about Simon is that his job is kind of like a night thing where kind of during the day he's kind of like, you know, seeing what's going on in the NBA, reporting on what needs to be reported on, what it needs to be because what, what I thought was really cool was he never has to worry about overposting because the NBA is the worldwide leader. They're, they're the they're the authority in basketball. So if he posts 100 times in a day because he has to, that's fine. That They're, they're the NBA. Um, ESPN and Bleach Report don't have that same luxury. So it's cool hearing him talk about how he really can post whatever, whenever, not whatever, but he can post as much as he as like the NBA feels necessary because they have to tell that story of what's going on in the league. If it's a, if it's a busy if it's bu if it's a busy day and there's a lot to talk about, they're going to post a lot. It's, they're not going to post less because they're trying to keep their engagement up. They're going to post what needs to be posted, which I thought was really cool. But his most his main priorities are at night. He's doing all the live tweeting for all the games, getting all the footage from people on the ground and posting it. Simon's really cool. So thank you, Simon, for taking that step for me and helping me accept that position, which ended up being a really big deal the following day at SBC. So right right after that, right after I, I, I ended up accepting the job with Simon, I jump on an Uber with Bobby Manning to get back to the hotel and change for the, I was gonna go get dinner with Bobby and Nima. So Bobby and Nima and I, Bobby, Nima and I go out to dinner, have a great dinner, right? I, I get to meet Bobby Manning for the first time. It was cool, right? We get to meet him. He's obviously one of Nima's best friends. So you get to talk with him about all the stuff he's doing and, and, and what he's been up to. Uh, so that was fun. And then from there, we went to the Aria Hotel to catch up with everyone else from SBC, literally all the media and broadcasting people, a lot of people from other majors, all kind of made this big, 20 person friend group we all sat at this big long table i'd never been at a table like that before like a lot of times you'll see on instagram like people in my age group can relate you see your friends you know they go to they go to these expensive clubs in the city and they'll post you know all the food they're having at this table i'd never been a part of that i'd never had i would never gone out like like that with a huge table big round table private room almost good food huge, you know fr friends from all over that you never met before and you're all kind of meeting for the first time i had that experience in vegas with all these people we kind of had that we kind of all shared stories all talked about ourselves we, you know, we never really got to know each other so much until that night um it's kind of the last night bittersweet uh, for me it was a little different because i had all these days of summer league to go uh, but it was really cool hearing from all these all these people and having them tell their stories it was a lot of fun so that wraps up friday uh, the day friday and then saturday we're gonna wake up uh, for the last day of sbc a day filled with a lot of tears a lot of a lot of a lot of emotions uh, but definitely a good one stay tuned for that